Wow. Wow, wow. Mr. Timmons in here, but don't forget this next Saturday. Uh, uh, slide up real quick. Yeah. Next Saturday, we will be having uh, our gathering of our men. And, of course, you've got women houses designed all over this area. Rosemary, wherever you are, I think you, uh, you're not up there today. We send you out to Midlothian. We thank God that you're going. We thank God for how you're going to minister there. And then, don't forget, guys, come gather. Come gather. We've got great worship for uh, you men that need to have some fellowship. Come and be involved. CP, real quick. Guys, if y'all put that slide back up, I want you men to scan that QR code. We, don't, we want to make sure everyone registers. It's very important that you register so we know how many people, how many men will be there for lunch. So I just wanted to interject that. Sorry, CP. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. Next week is First Fruits. You know, there's an awesome verse. If you wonder why we do Shabbat and First Fruits, there's an awesome verse in Isaiah 65 that says, we'll learn worship. Those who do Shabbat and first fruit will learn worship. It forces you into an evaluation once a week, once a month, of where you are, how you've failed, what's tried to take you out, and how you're going to have victory next week. See, never, never get in that mentality that you can't have victory. Listen, if you're still breathing, God can do something in you. Oh, yes. Well, Robert, we are glad you're here. Robert and Linda had a tough week physically, so Robert said, would you speak for me? Give me this Sunday off so I can worship. And I said, up for you, I will do it. And so, if you're visiting today, we thank God for you. You know, you can always go back to the Welcome Center. We'll always have something for you back there to remind you of your visit. If you're on the web, and especially you international people who are all over the world with us, we're getting it fixed uh, because we're having so many. We try to send you things, and your custom sends it back to us. And so, uh, we want to... Uh, We want you to get what you need, but we're working on it right now. Uh, Listen, uh, Judah Collective and uh, the dance group uh, leadership, apostolic leadership, came to visit with me this week. And I believe they have an incredible trailer that is important for us to see every week. It summarizes what the year is about for us, and it presses us towards. So let's turn those lights down, and let's show this. As we have been moving through each transition the Lord has initiated with the creative development in this house, the vision for the future is coming more into focus with each pause, and then executing step by step. This is a call to not just create, but to release the word of the Lord throughout the earth through creative prophetic declaration and expression of the DNA of intercession that is woven within the generations of this ministry. Since a transition in September, in each of the creative pieces that have come forth and the ones that are currently being developed, we see that the Lord is leading Judah Collective into the vision of the future. Our first step forward is to create a new creative piece every month as first fruits for what the Lord is developing. We began with a manual, then Echo of Time, and are currently preparing You Are Worthy and God Is. During the creation of Emmanuel, a song for Israel, the Spirit of God inspired original approaches in the studio, transforming how sound and music were produced. This led to the uncovering of new voices and styles that helped capture the vision of this season. 
We are seeing life in the recording studio continue to grow and begin to gain momentum as we are hearing the latest song, You Are Worthy, which is currently being developed. As this project is being birthed from this house, beginning with the sound and continuing with film, movement, and visual arts, we are seeing what it looks like when all the facets of creativity come together to release what the Lord is breathing His breath into. Through projects like Lighthouse, which is currently being developed, we are seeing the limits being taken off of what can be done, and seeing Judah express in all capacities, even those outside of the four walls. With the latest release from Judah Collective, Echoes of Time, the Lord's calling to the nations is being expressed and released. As he is resurrecting the war room, he is issuing a call for the warriors to rise up. We are consistently gathering the dancers to train in new war movements and sounds in this season as we seek the Lord on what it looks like to train as an army with the release that will surprise the enemy. As we have been gathering as Judah weekly to prepare for the Sunday gatherings and seek the Lord on Revelation, we are seeing His purpose and His vision come forth. Judah Collective is a multi-dimensional community of artists whose focus is on hearing the prophetic word of the Lord and releasing it through many creative mediums. At its core, Judah Collective seeks to manifest the Creator's heart in the earth, serving God's kingdom and people by using our collective giftings to see heaven's throne established in every heart and mind. It is our heart to see every tribe, tongue, and nation step into the fullness of their redemptive purpose and allow their unique God-given expression to come forth. Wow. Something is stirring. A story to be told. Strategy to unfold. This is the season to war over the doors and gates for our future to be secured. Words from where we stand in this house are never just meant to stay here, but to multiply. The Lord says, pay attention and listen, for I am pouring out my revelation to you to awaken your strategy. It's in you, but you must press past self. Your mindset must shift to the authority on the other side of the door. See the acceleration of your covenant promise into your land of prosperity. We open up the gates and invite the wind. Speak to us at the gate. Speak. You have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance. As you become the fire, you allow me to be who I am to rebuild within you. As I rebuild within you, I'm calling you to rebuild, and if you choose to let the rubble be left in the rubble, there is a double portion anointing falling for the double door. If you want to see a new manifestation, you have to break agreement with familiar. The new day has begun. I am bringing down your destiny, and I'm bringing down your future. This is the season for you to secure your history for the future. This is the season to war through the door. Wow. Get ready. We'll have a whole night of worshiping through that new door. All of you, wherever you're at out there, join with us. It's just amazing. Let's thank God for Judah Collective. Wow. What a blessing. 
to be able to gather. You know, when we gather here on Sunday, we're gathering to celebrate him and celebrate each other. Look at somebody and say, you know, I'm going to learn to like you yet. (laughs) I love it. Now, We've had so much going on this month, uh, the month of January, and moving forward, and then this week again, we were focused on Texas. Do we have any of uh, the group that remain from the Texas leadership, uh, the Texas Apostolic Prayer Network? Stand up wherever you are. Let's thank God that they are here. (laughs) Wonderful. Now. Uh, This year, see, every year, God has a plan for you. And when you, because he gave us his covenant in Hebrew, I feel like that language, all other languages came in and through many, many, many languages developed from God's language. But once you start looking at the root of his language that he made covenant with us, you can gain more insight than you've ever had before. And this year, we've had years where we have focused on going through the door, but we've never had a year like this year in this decade in this new era of history that we're living in. And that's why every year becomes important that we understand prophetically what God is doing. Because see, this year there's lots of opportunity, but remember the whole era is about war. It... it, It would be very uncomfortable to live in this world right now and not understand that you are living in the atmosphere of conflict. See, once you realize that, you learn to maneuver conflict. But you're also living in the era of a divine harvest like we've never seen before. And so we have to have a harvest mentality, we have to have a war mentality, and then we have to have an access mentality. Because see, the Word of God says in Psalms 102, heaven, there comes a time where heaven shift. There will be new heavens. In other words, there's something going on in the heavens where things are shifting in the atmosphere and it's causing the atmosphere of earth to make a great shift. Now, in the midst of that, there are several things God's saying to us. Remember, one of our focuses is because of the uh, national gathering we had in uh, South Carolina, in Charleston, at the Citadel, the Lord, after he raised us up, he showed us himself, He, Lord Sabaoth, sending angels to surround this entire nation. Now, whatever nation you're in out there, know that, God has a plan for that nation. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But, and, uh, you know, one of the reasons we are free to worship in the way we worship is because many of us have been all over the world to hundreds of different people groups and different nations. And, you know, they love the Lord and they each have a defined, new, unique, defined, unique way of worshiping Him. And we want to always make that available to them and then when we have people coming together we want them to be free to express their way they worship and yet we know this year America is being looked at now I, I 
I have been more focused on Nigeria at times, more focused on uh, Ireland at times, more focused on China at times, and Russia for years. But this year, God is looking at America in a very, very incredible, microscopic way. And here's what I hear him say to us. He's saying to us, in an era of war, secure your inheritance and step in to the promise. Now, what does those words mean? That's what, what do those words mean? We want to look at that today. In an era of war, secure your inheritance. Well, the word inheritance means my portion. There's not a one of us that is listening anywhere that does not have a portion available to them. Look at somebody and say, I want to find the, all of that portion. <laughs> and then the word secure means you're going to relieve your portion of the exposure to danger. You're going to remove the exposure to danger in your portion. You're going to fasten or secure a door into that portion that's never been secured before. You're going to take authority over the portion you've been given and what you've been promised and you're going to multiply that portion. And God has a strategy for each one of us in here to do that. See, when I think of that biblically, I think of Nehemiah. I think of Joshua. And then, of course, I think of Yeshua. How, for three years, he said, I'm going to secure and represent what Father really looks like here in the earth. And offer all mankind an opportunity to receive and be adopted by Father. Look at somebody and tell them, I am glad I am adopted by the King of Kings. Now, if you're not, we want you to get adopted by him. It's really that simple. And then we want you to be able to recognize there's people out there. Everybody say people. People. Out there in the world that God is longing to have worship him. That's why they go down into all the strip clubs. Because there's so many people there. That's why we go on Bourbon Street. That's why wherever we're sent, we must remember God is securing his inheritance. Now, when I think of Nehemiah, see, Nehemiah said, I've got to go and get in this new battle for recovery, restoration, and access. See, right now, your battle is intensifying for recovery, restoration, and access into your future. And so, you want to remember that there's a war around you. Look at somebody next to you and say, I can feel that all the way here. 
you have to remember that God's doing something with you. You wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be joining in with us today if the Lord wasn't doing something with you. You are being made into a weapon for the future. The Word of God says in Isaiah 41, 15, I will make you a new sharp threshing instrument with teeth. And you will thresh down the mountains that you couldn't get over last season. But to do that, you have to have this incredible change of identity. Now let me show you something that's happening in our bloodline. Uh, John, please forgive me, but we have had to break so many generational curses through our bloodline. I, I, I was telling uh, Becca's group from all over our nation, uh, Doris was there with us, and how Doris and I used to lead deliverance conferences. And we had deliverance conferences all over, all over the world. And, uh, and I said, and I would go to at least 10 a year with Doris or 20 because I wanted to be sure I could get delivered and stay delivered. See, that's part of securing your inheritance. And then I always knew my kids would have to face off everything because generational curses can be passed on up to four generations. Any generation can break them. But that issue in the blood can manifest up to four generations. Well, this foot is a redo of four generations of a generational curse in our family. My feet are scary to even look at. My dad's feet were scarier and his family's feet were scarier. But John said, I'm going to have my foot fixed. Because when they looked at mine, they just said, oh my. <laughs> and John said, I'm going to have mine fixed. Now, you need to say out loud, I'm going to get fixed what needs to get fixed. Quit worrying about what you got. Just say, I'm going to get it fixed. Because remember, the Lord showed us, and this, there's a point in this, go, the Lord showed me in January us wearing new shoes, and they didn't look like any shoes we'd ever worn before. And I think he's having to fix us so he can dress us for the season ahead. Look at somebody and say, you're going to look better than you do today. <laughs> now, now, and here's one key. You're going to know, you have to know who you're standing on. Jesus, the cornerstone. Go ahead and show that. See, this is what the government of God looks like. Jesus is the cornerstone, first apostles, second prophets, third, and, and the Bible lists them in this order. Paul gives them numeric value, third teachers, miracles and healers, evangelists, pastors and administrators, and then tongues and those who interpret tongues. That is the foundation we are meant to stand on. I think a lot of us have issues because we've never had that foundation to stand on. That isn't some ruling pope mentality. You got to find who you're going to stand on. See, it's not who's just trying to that's never been the government of God where some leader rules everybody. That leadership structure is meant for you to stand on. 
Tell somebody, I'm going to find my place. Now, with that, the Lord keeps saying something to us. The Joshuas are rising to step into the promise. The Joshuas are rising to step into the promise. Now, I want you to... I want, did you notice he interrupted, uh, interrupted me three times and then when it's his time to shine, he's asleep back here. Let's do it one more time. Got it. Now, now, I want you to think about the transition from Moses to Joshua, there had not been any other leader that Israel had known. See, Israel, God gathered them and formed them into a nation while they were in Egypt. And then he brought the leader, Moses, 80 years old, to lead them out. He had taken Moses through so much, but God brought him to sovereignly, and the word of God says in Exodus 6 that he gathered together them as tribes ready for war in the future. See, I, I think we're watching that. And then they head toward the promise. Think how many times somebody in your bloodline has headed toward the promise, but never gotten there. Well, that's what this year is about. You picking up where they left off and getting there. Tell somebody I'm going to get there. See, and then God deals with them. They, he, he, they decide they don't want to war for the promise. So he leaves them wandering for another 40 years. Do you, sometimes we just need to look up at the Lord and say, Lord, thank God you have outweighed us. He waited 476 years from the time he promised Abraham that somebody would go in and secure the promise. I think I want you to make this real for your life. God's looking at you and saying, you have no idea how long I've been waiting for your bloodline to do something. I've been watching it since I created it before the foundation of the world. Look at somebody and say, you and yours have been here forever. And I've just been waiting for somebody. somebody. Wait. Waiting for somebody. Waiting for somebody. <laughs> to rot. Waiting for somebody. <laughs> to rise up in that bloodline that you carry. And you know, hell's trying to wipe out. Think, you're going through so much warfare because hell doesn't want you to get it. He doesn't want you to get it any more than hell wanted all the rest of them to get it in your bloodline. So, there comes a moment where Moses, he tells Moses, Moses, you messed up. You're not going to be able to go in and get it. But I'm going to let you see the promise. See, I think some generations get closer to seeing the promise. And then I'm going to transfer, I want you to transfer what you have over to Joshua so they can go in. Now, Joshua has never been in leadership. 
And all of a sudden, after 40 years, and he has watched these people eat Moses for lunch. He's watched them murmur. He's watched them complain. God fed them every day. Provided for them every day. And they still complained every day. He has watched that and all of a sudden, God in Joshua 1 says, you it to lead them. See, there comes a time when the Lord gives you access. But you're going to have to rise up into a new place. See, Joshua had to remember, first of all, that group didn't ever want a war for the promise. Let's look at all this. See, God said, I'll strengthen you and send you up against the enemy. But because they had this root of abandonment, they felt they had been abandoned by Moses. This is back when they came out of Egypt. They, all their familiarity was gone. And God brought them out with all this supply. And yet, when it got time for them to go in to look at the land and look at the promise, they, Moses didn't go in with them. And this was early on. He sent the 12 leaders of that camp in and they loved what they saw. But when they saw the war it was going to take to get it, they said, we out of here. All but Joshua and Caleb said, listen, if God's given it to us, we can get it. So, you have to remember when you see it. See, the promise God made to Abraham had all those enemies already in it. Your promise has enemies in it, but when you see the promise, you get to kick the enemies out. But you're going to have to kick them out. And so, they finally said, go ahead, Brian. We would rather just go back to Egypt. You know what happens when you want to go back instead of go forward? You slander everything God has for you ahead. You speak against it. We know what you say. We know what you're offering us, but we want to go back. Uh, listen, that onion soup is better than that milk and honey and all that luscious fruit we saw. That's what happens. Anytime you want to return to an old place of familiarity, you're just slandering what God has ahead for your life. And it's because... Fear overtakes faith. See, fear is a valid emotion. But fear can be a spirit if you don't take authority over the valid emotion that you have. It's a valid emotion to have fear of the future, but you are being made into this new sharp threshing instrument the kingdom of God is within you. And so if you allow that kingdom to rise up within you, you can overtake that emotional fear that's trying to stop you. It's a process. And so here in this process we have to remember something else is going on this year. See, there's this 
Holy Spirit movement because Holy Spirit is linked with the word in Hebrew and Aramaic about this decade. So there's this Holy Spirit movement going on. And in the midst of this Holy Spirit movement, God not only is redoing you to make you a new sharp fitting, uh, new sharp threshing instrument with teeth, but he is also redoing the wineskin that we're part of. See, Yeshua, Jesus taught us in Matthew 9, you can't put old wine in a new wineskin, so there's going to come a time every seven years, it takes seven years to redo a wineskin. And I would say we're in the latter portion of the second phase of being redone in this wineskin since we've been here. I think a person who really succeeds, Joshua, you will succeed if you'll remember everything Moses, I told Moses those 40 years. Because all of a sudden, you're going to have to move it from knowledge to action. See, that's the hard part. Where you move your knowledge into action. Because Moses wasn't capable to go up against the enemies uh, that are in the promise. But he did win the war over Og, Sihon, Amalek, the Amalekites. So Joshua had some patterns. Moses even stopped before he went to be with the Lord. And the whole book of Deuteronomy, Moses goes back over with them everything over the last 40 years. So then he passes it over to Joshua. Now, I'm saying that for a reason, because something's being passed over to you right now. And you're going to have to determine how you're going to use who you are and what you have in your promise ahead. And so, you're going to have to know that now you're being called to war for life and wholeness. Jesus said, I, I didn't come, uh, I came so that you would succeed. You have an enemy that came and that you would live abundantly. Live and enjoy life. That's why I came. But you have an enemy in your portion that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. No different than what we find in the book of Joshua. And so, Timothy tells us, you're going to have to learn to prophesy or speak and use your prophetic word or promise to speak it and go to war with it. See, prophecy and promise go together. They're not really the same. But look what the Lord says to us. How you speak, what you see, where you walk, become the keys to the, your year ahead. One of the things the Lord had to deal with me over, especially when I came into the Lord, he had to deal with me over where I was afraid to walk because my family had been in some 
wild, dark places. And where I had walked and where I was going to walk. And each one, he had to remove some emotional fear that would keep me from going back to certain places where my, anim- where my family lost ground as well as to places where God offered them prosperity, but they didn't know how to handle it. You should have seen when he made me go into a voodoo place down in when I was working in New Orleans. And I said, Lord, that is so dark. I was so in the Lord by this time. I said, I cannot, the Spirit of God began to tell me to go in there. And I thought, Lord, I never want to go in one of those places again. I said, it is so dark. And he said, I am the light. I dispel darkness. I want you to walk in there and tell that darkness it will not rule this street. I I started having to get over any fear of going and doing things my family had done, being in places. I just had to know who I was and be very secure in who I was. See, there's that word secure again. See, because there is in this decade a revival of prophecy, that means there's a revival over your promise. We prophesy according to our faith. There's not a one of you listening to me that can't prophesy. You can express comfort. You can encourage. See, those are all forms of the root of the word prophecy. You can comfort. You can encourage. You can exhort. You can direct, but you have to be careful doing that. And you can redeem what's been lost. Those are all forms of prophecy. And prophecy is really just speaking the mind and heart of God to somebody, how he feels about them, how he looks at them over a state or a nation. I mean, I hear so many people try to get uh, California in the ocean. God doesn't want all those people to fall in the ocean yet. He wants everybody out there to realize why they're out there. And where there's no, now look at this, where there's no prophetic utterance, go ahead, Brian, where there's no prophetic utterance, see, there's no vision. When you can't hear how God feels or what he's thinking about something. When you, the word is a person that's speaking to you to commune with you daily so you learn how to be that in the world. In the world, but not of the world. And so, see, that Heart of God and mind of God is what gives vision. And where there is no prophetic utterance, this is what that scripture means out of Proverbs in 29.18, where there is no prophetic utterance from redemptive revelation or vision, a people start going backwards. Look at somebody next to you and say, I ain't going backwards. And so without the word 
creating the boundaries for your life over what God's saying to you, where you're assigned, who you're standing on, all the promises and all the resources you've been given in your boundaries. You lose sight of what God has for you. And so, we want, first of all, a new level of faith to rise up in us. We all prophesy according to our faith. You don't want to just agree with how bad it is out there all the time. You need to acknowledge what you're up against. But the kingdom of God in you has an authority to speak into it. Has an authority to create something that's never been. And see, when we speak what God's speaking, we prophesy, we predict, we interpret our future. See, religion tries to stop us from seeing the best God has for us. For them to say, well, prophecy in for today, that just means God doesn't want you to see what's ahead for you. God doesn't want you to have any hope. God doesn't want, can you imagine ministries that say, well, God's not going to communicate or speak today. I had one say, well, God could speak, but he can only speak to you from the word. And I said, God can speak to me off of stop sign if he needs to and tell me to stop. That's right. And so, this is what I want to leave with you. Jeremiah 31, 17. Brian's reading through Jeremiah. I'm reading through uh, Ephesians, Joshua, Daniel. There is a door of hope for your future, after all. Your children will return to their homeland, declares Yahweh. See, when you got one of those crazy kids of yours, when I've had lots of them, that have gone off this way, you have to say, but God says there's still a door of hope for you. He's got an expected end for you. That's what future means. And you can always come back to the best place he ever had for you. Declares Yahweh, the God of the universe. Now, how's that for God backing you? Wow. But you're going to have to say it. See, and when you get in bad situations, remember this. The Babylonian captivity became their door of hope. Whatever situation you're in... There's hope in that situation. There's something God's trying to do. There's something God, there's something God's trying to do. <laughs> now, y'all gonna have to tell me he is either asleep <laughs> or he's enthralled with with me speaking. <laughs> Which one is it? Either you like me speaking or you're asleep back there. All right, say it. No matter where you are, there's a door hole. (laughs) Well, I love him. But I need to hear him. That's why he's up there. Why else would he be up there, TV? If he's not going to do anything. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now, let me give you this too. 
Your blessings are attached to your promise. So some way, you've got to get this promise thing down. Because you got lots of blessings tangled up with it. And every time your promise gets tested, the enemy's trying to take an opportunity to rob you of your blessing. But your tests that you're going through, they're producing a new capacity for hope that will cause faith to arise. And all of a sudden, your voice will change. You'll start speaking in a way you've never spoken before. You'll start hearing in a way you've never heard before. See, it, this is how prophecy and promises work together. Let me give you this. See, the word promise means something's being announced beforehand. Prophecy means I am speaking into what has been announced beforehand. And because of that, there are these great associated kingdom blessings. There's messianic blessing. Christ will return again. Well, if he's going to do that, you know what he said? If I come back today, will I find faith? Will I find you prophesying? See, you can't just keep in, keep looking for him to come back and you not be doing what he said do today. Won't work for you. If you have fear to talk to people, I want you to get past that. That just says you don't know who is in you. You don't know what you're about. And even though you see them, you don't care enough about them to say something to them. God's removing that from us. He didn't want you to just get bigger and bigger and bigger in who you are, he wants you to be looking so you can give away who you are to those around you. Is there compassionate people in the house? Wow. Wow. Now, let me leave this thing to you. See, that's good, Brian. I'll have to come back. I always get to teaching on promises, and I've taught it in classes, but sometimes I think we don't really get it. We need to understand promises. We need to know how to watch for them because they have signposts. And let me tell you something about the devil. He's going to cover up that signpost so you go through it. See, because your ultimate promise God gave in Genesis 3 when he said, wait a minute. Now the serpent did this, but I'm listening to prophesy to the serpent. Then you're going to carry it out. And he looked at the serpent and he said, woman's seed will crush you. <laughs> See, when you are looking at what the devil's doing, you have to find out what promise God has for you to undo what he's trying to keep from you.
And your ultimate promise is you already have victory over him. And then when Yeshua came, died for you, and nobody else has died for you lately. That's why you want to give your life to it. I don't see anybody else who's done what he did for you. I got a good family, but I ain't seen them say, I'll go to that cross and hang there and be beat. and Then I'll face off hell. I'll die. I'll go down first and face off everything in hell you're going to have to face off. Then I'll come back up and ascend all the way to heaven to watch you accomplish what I faced off. Just don't walk in fear. Don't slander what I'm offering you. Don't get used to just one pair of shoes and one outfit. That's part of it. We will settle sometimes for the same outfit and same pair of shoes for 40 years. And I thank God for Joshua and Caleb because I would have turned on that group that had ruined my wardrobe. One meal of quail and manna. Forty years. Look at somebody and say, I got to have creativity. Now let's stand up, all of us. The Lord said, I am causing my Joshua's to rise up. Now look at somebody and say, you look good as Joshua. (laughs) Miriam danced us across. But now I want my Joshua's to rise up. I'm causing my Joshua's to rise up. And they're going to secure their inheritance and unlock all the blessings of their promise. Let's thank God for Chad and all the blessings of his promise. Thank God for someone sitting near you that God has more blessings than they know for them. Put your hand on somebody. Sometimes I look at the church, we're afraid to speak to each other, let alone to those who are out in the world. Lord, just lift your hands. Lord, your people need you they need we need faith to arise within us and he says fear not meditate on what I've said about you and what I have for you and you'll have success in it We say stir up the wind of prophecy in us. That was what I saw. Prophecy in your boundary being stirred over your promises. I want you to say that. The spirit of prophecy is being stirred over my promises. He loves you. He brought you here. Now, Lord, I say, I send them out. 
and say they will have victory ultimate victory over their enemy this week let's give a shout put your hand on somebody and say go forth in victory